And now you're listening to another episode of Polly's Pick'ems, the podcast brought to you by Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. everyone thank you for tuning in to season two episode eight of Polly's Pickens the podcast as always I'm your host Derek Polly. uh we the guest that I was gonna have this week she backed out but luckily for us we got the guest I was supposed to have last week Derek Myers Derek how you doing doing good you and I, I can't really complain uh, I'm still riding that wave of uh, the Tennessee victory from last night so I'm doing pretty good I'm glad someone gets to ride a happy life. Well, I mean, you know, I honestly thought your Mississippi State Bulldogs, I mean, I didn't really see the game, but I I just thought they had a chance to beat Kentucky because, I mean, if South Carolina can beat Kentucky, Mississippi State should be able to as well. We just have a problem playing them on the road. Mike Leach's little play card is getting a little outdated. Yeah, uh, I remember with old Dan Mullen, y'all used to like ground and pound, and with Mike Leach, y'all are slinging the rock all over the place now, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Will, uh, Will, uh, the Rodgers, he's a damn good quarterback. Uh, he wasn't last night, but that's what I was uh, talking to somebody about. Is we lost our, you know, the one thing that Mississippi State had as identity was a strong defense, and strong running backs, and it's like the last two head coaches just slowly just took all that away from us. Joe Moorhead and now Mike Leach with the running backs is one thing we've always proud ourselves on was having, you know, strong, tough, mean running backs. And it's not the case here lately. I mean, I guess, you know, the AD wanted to go, well, obviously wanted to go a different direction hiring uh, Mike Leach. Uh, At least, you know, he's entertaining with uh, him and Lane Kiffin for the Egg Bowl, at least. Oh, yeah, I don't have nothing against Mike Leach. It's just he – this was – he said something about the players looked lazy all week in practice, and to me that falls on the head coach to get him out of that mindset. And then, you know, a lot of his play comms is – I don't know. Is He abandoned the run, which, you know, Kentucky's defensive line showed that, you know, they just want to shut us down on the running and make us one dimension. But it's the fact that, you know – there was no mixing it up. Like doing uh, third and long checkdowns makes no sense in the SEC. You can do that in the Pac-12 or the ACC, but the SEC you can't do that. You might get away with it against you know a team like Missouri or Vanderbilt, but Kentucky at the end of the day, even though they lost to South Carolina, they're still a good team and they still have a good defense. Yeah, and uh, I'm actually not sure if, as I claim to be a good Tennessee fan, I don't even know if we're playing in Lexington or Knoxville this year. That's how bad it is for me. Oh, don't feel bad because I, outside of what little bit of college football I get to keep up with, I, that's the only sport I've been able to keep up with because I'm getting ready to move to Raleigh, North Carolina here soon. So, oh, you'll I'm be still- a hop, skip, and a jump away from me then. I'm a, I'm on the other side of Winston, about a couple hours. East or west of you? Oh, okay. Well, three uh, or four, I guess. I can't wait. It's from Raleigh to Charlotte. There is it's beautiful, and I live in Chattanooga, Tennessee, right now. And you know, 
moving to Raleigh, you got, you know, college teams out, you know, the, out, I don't know if you're allowed to cuss, but out the butt to pick from. Oh, yeah. And sporting and events. And, you know, that's something I've been missing the whole time I've been living here in Chattanooga because I'm originally from Chicago. So. Oh, okay. I did not know. I, I think you're, I think you're the first self-admitted northerner that's uh, been on the podcast. So. Oh, there ain't nothing wrong with being a Yankee. Absolutely not. Uh, yeah, and, and like you said, well, uh, we're moving to Raleigh. I hope you like basketball because that's really big around here. Oh, I love basketball. And um, when I went there, I had a Mississippi State shirt on, and I forgot the little ties or bondage we had when North Carolina State after, you know, the year we won the College World Series. Apparently, our fan bases became cool with one another. So I was getting a lot of high fives from everybody and all this. And I was like, okay, kind of yeah. weird, but are a little too friendly. I'm used to getting, like, a couple years ago, I went to Nashville, had Vanderbilt fans flipping me off because we just killed them in football. So, you know, that was kind of a new world to me, having people that nice just coming up, yeah, we really love your baseball team, even though, you know, we didn't get to play. It should have been us, not you, but was happy it was you. It's like, okay. I don't follow baseball that much, but, I mean, it's ACC that good in baseball. I, I thought, like, the big – 12 was ACC they're they're pretty decent Florida State is a hit and miss on good years uh North Carolina State's been showing a lot of improvement they're like Tennessee they're they're building up they're not building up as fast as Tennessee is but they're a pretty decent ball club and then in Raleigh you got Campbell who's got a decent little um I think they're like division two maybe the fighting camels uh I think so well, they got a they got a decent baseball program, but now Tennessee though, I, y'all really made it hard for us next week. Now we got to go get our cornbread taken from Alabama to make up for what y'all did to them this weekend. Man, honestly, I I honestly did not expect Tennessee to win. Uh, I told everyone that I've seen that's been like an Alabama fan. I was like, listen, if your offensive coordinator would have just ran the ball instead of, like, going for those passes that were incomplete, leaving all that time on the clock. You could have ran the ball, like, called call the timeout, like, three seconds left. Even if you would have missed the field goal, sent it, sent it to overtime, y'all might have won. I, this baffled me that they just kept on throwing. I'm like, dude, you're, you're within field goal range. Just freaking run the ball. That's what I would have done. But, I mean, I'm glad they didn't. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, Alabama's going to be great. You know, they're going into books as the greatest of all time. They're the New England Patriots, you know, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick of college football. But they're so arrogant and cocky. And that's that something I wish Mississippi State could benefit from, you know, which we never do. Dan Mullen had his chances twice to beat Nick Saban and choked on every, you know, category that was from play calling the clock management so I was sitting there watching Tennessee do it last night. I was I was kind of jealous. I was like, I really want to feel what the motherfuckers, them guys are feeling. And seeing the goalposts get torn down and get marched to the Tennessee River, I was like, wow, I yeah. should have been a Tennessee fan. Yeah, and I've I've seen reports that they they're trying to or they have uh, got the goalpost out of the water because oh shoot, we have Tennessee Martin at home next week. So I'm like. Uh, I mean, they they must have been delirious with 
uh, excitement that they tore the goalposts down. If, if, if this, if they'd had a little bit of logic, been like, oh, let's wait until we have an away game. We can then we can tear it down, have a little bit of extra time to, you know, fabricate a new one. You know. Yeah, uh, I didn't understand the logic of throwing in a river because when Ole Miss uh, beat Alabama at home, you know, they tore it down, sawed it up at sections, gave it, you know, to the AD, to the head coach, the, you know, key boosters as a memory, which I thought was pretty cool. And I was sitting there, I was like, wow, Tennessee just went straight up mayhem on this win, like <laughs> the hell with the goalposts. And then uh, I forgot who it was I saw on Twitter. He was, like, showing, you know, every time Tennessee was supposed to play somebody, it was always somebody, well, when you play such and such, they're going to beat you, and they'll beat them. And he's like, y'all keep moving the goalposts. We just threw it in the river. <laughs> yeah, I saw that, too. Uh, there are a lot of salty friggin' Bama fans. Man. What, it's been 15 years since they saw L from Tennessee, so it's a new world for them. Because living here in Chattanooga, it's, it's a mixture of Alabama fans who's never been to an Alabama home game or Alabama game period, and a lot of hardcore, you know, diehard Tennessee fans. And I just can't wait to get to work tomorrow to see how this is going to turn out. <laughs> if somebody isn't in human resource getting a ride up, and then, you know, everybody failed. <laughs> uh, I, I like that spirit. Um, so, Derek, were you able to catch any other college football games yesterday? I watched um, the Ole Miss and Auburn game, and I watched the Arkansas and BYU game. Okay. Uh, Ole Miss, I know I'm a Mississippi State fan. I ain't supposed to give them any compliments. But Lane Kiffin, I know Tennessee fans hate that name, hate that guy because he left y'all. Uh, yeah. And hopefully with this win over Alabama, because if you if you're ever on Twitter, uh, Twitter, you can see Tennessee fans just going after Lane Kiffin like this guy, which he he always finds a way to rub it into Tennessee fans. But hopefully after this win over Alabama, you know Tennessee fans can kind of like move away from Lane Kiffin now. But that guy, I I have to give Ole Miss props. Like when you know when they went out and hired him. They was dealing with a lot of stuff dealing, you know, with the NCAA due to a huge freeze and all that. And everyone was like, that would be a bad hire for Ole Miss because what they're on and no one trusts Lane Kiffin because everyone was like, Lane Kiffin would get y'all back on probation and all this. Ole Miss swing for defenses. And to me, outside of Arkansas, they made one of the best hires outside of Arkansas and Tennessee. Because Lane Kiffin, like, that running back room is a monster. I knew they was going to be good coming in this year with their running backs, but I had no clue that it was going to be this great. Uh, yeah, I didn't either. Uh, I figured, well, for me, if Miss, if Ole Miss, if they could shore up that defense a little bit, I think they'd be daggone unstoppable. I think they're the only, yeah, they're the only team uh, undefeated in the West, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, and that sitting right at the top of the West too, and it hurts because Mississippi State should be seven and zero too. But like my dad always told me, should, could, and would's nowhere found in the stat book. So it's true. Um, but, I, oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, like their quarterback, you know, to me, he's he's managing the game perfect for them, but. It is going to come somewhere down the road when they play Arkansas or Alabama. 
or the egg bowl where he's going to have to step up and be a little bit more of a leader because sooner or later, you know, I ain't going to say somebody, somebody's going to stop Ole Miss's running game, but somebody's going to slow it down. And that's going to put a lot of weight on him. He's going to have to find a way to put up that 300-yard game with five touchdowns or whatever. You know, he's going to have to do something special to balance out that offense. But right now, that they got three running backs that could go anywhere in this country and start. And I just got to tip my hat off to them, even though I hate them. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't necessarily hate Lane Kiffin or hate Ole Miss. I, I mean, yeah, last year I wasn't happy about how the game turned out against Tennessee, but I mean, my goodness, because I, I, I saw that replay and the guy was short. I'm like, okay, well, I, that that's fine. And when the Tennessee fans threw all the mustard bottles and golf balls, and I'm thinking, well, what the hell was the point of that? Make yourself look like a bunch of jackasses. And we still stopped Ole Miss and had a chance to win. And, you know, then like a little bit later on, you know, Lane Kiffin trolled us with the golf ball and got a bunch of Tennessee fans real like big mad. He's like this generation's Steve Spurrier because, you know, they, oh, yes. golly. That's, that's one of the, like I was telling somebody like Mississippi as a state right now with their three main cop. Well, one, you know, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, then Jackson State with them three head coaches is pure entertainment from start to finish. Like prime time, you know, I wish. I, if we could, if we ever move away from Mike Leach, I wish we could get prime time as our head coach because I know that guy would be able to recruit and the attitude that he would bring on the field, on and off the field, would just be beautiful. The match with Lane Kiffin, like, you know, because in today's college football time, if you're not a, you know, Nick Saban, you got to be a great young head coach to bring in for kids. And that's what Ole Miss got out of Lane Kiffin. And that's what Mississippi State's going to have to do here sooner or later is get that, you know, that young spirit in there, kind of like what Dan Mullen was for us when he first came in. When Dan Mullen first came in, he was arrogant, cocky. Like, you know, I know we're Mississippi State, we have a bad history, but we're going to sit here and we're going to be playing with attitude from start to finish. And that's what Lane Kiffin brought to Ole Miss. And that's wish something I wish Mike Leach would, you know, get in the locker room is a lot more cockiness, attitude, ego, because in football, you need all of that, especially in the SEC. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you, okay. So let me ask you this. And do you think uh, Kirby Smart has that with Georgia? Oh, yes, because when Kirby Smart came into Georgia, he he targeted Alabama. You know, it, it rougher, you know, it really set Nick Saban off because Kirby apparently made some kind of, you know, deal with him. Hey, I won't go after the guys I've been helping you recruit. When he got to Georgia, he's like, nah, you know, no holds of ours. I'm going after everybody. And he was taking shots at Nick Saban, you know, and the way he went after went at Alabama was a lot more, I, I guess, cooler than the way Jimbo Fisher went after Alabama after Nick Saban made his comments about Texas A&M. Right. Because Jimbo Fisher just came off like, a you know, a little schoolgirl got his feelings hurt. Kirby Smart just kind of, you know, like, okay, I'm just going to try to beat you on the football field. He didn't draw it out to a wine fest for like three weeks talking about what Nick Saban's done and all this. Well, you know, the way Kirby Smart brought Georgia back after the Mark Rick era is beautiful. I'm talking about they got a national championship. They 
consider a powerhouse now. Yeah, just like uh, well, from what I've seen, just their fan base, uh, they act like they've been like the friggin' SC, the, the they've had they've held the natty for like the past five years straight. It's like so annoying, and I got and I can see how with the victory last night, a lot of Tennessee fans are annoying. With that being said, though, I do like to pro my fan base every once in a while just to keep them. Oh, honest. Yeah. As long as y'all's football fans don't get as bad as y'all's college baseball fans, that'd be good, which I love. Uh, I went to um, Buddy's house. He's a big UT fan all the way. Like, it don't matter what sport it is, he's watching it. As long as it's Tennessee. I forgot who y'all was playing, but they started mocking, like, started, you know, trash talking Tennessee, and he was getting his feelings hurt. And I was like, no, Tennessee's been doing this for the last two years. Like, y'all wanted to be the villains of college baseball. And he's like, yeah. I was like, so you can't get mad when another team does it back at you. Yeah. You can't be a hypocrite about it. I was like, the only reason you're upset is because they're winning. He's like, well, we're still the better program. Yeah, maybe so, but you got to take it. You give it, you got to take it. Yeah, and the – yeah, and if you can't take it, then I mean, why even bother? I mean, you, I mean, because I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, we met in those sports slash smack talk groups, and we've gone back and forth with each other. Uh, but I've always respected you because you've never really got personal like some people would, you know, like, like the family smack. So I'm like, you know what, this Derek guy, I like him, and that's you know, kind of that's kind of one reason I wanted to be you to be on the podcast as well. We met during y'all's. I want to say we, yeah, it was uh, you and I started talking crap to one another during Dewey's year, I think. Oh, geez, it was it was that long ago. Like that, the whole group has changed so much from now and then. I don't remember what it was. I just remember we beat y'all, and I made a post, and you said something it wasn't too level. It was other Tennessee fans that really got it going. I said something. He was like, "You brought up history," and I was like, "Yeah, you, you might want all that, but did you win today?" <laughs> I mean, and, and that's really all I had. Like, yeah, we had well, we got the history. You're like, I don't care about the history. It was like an Arkansas fan. I was getting into it with. Uh, I'm going to get into it with him. He was talking about us losing to Kentucky, and I was like, it might be so, but did we lose to Arkansas? <laughs> like, you're sitting here talking crap about us losing to a team you don't even pull for. That makes no sense at all, especially after we got done killing y'all last week. Uh, I mean, and I, I don't know. It's kind of, to me, that's kind of like the beauty of like, you know, the smack talk groups. You can kind of, you know, kind of pick your battles because, and like kind of skew, uh, the facts your way. But I mean, for me, I do it all in good fun. I, I haven't been in the groups much here lately due to being a full time single father of two and then getting ready to do this big move. But it, it, the groups change so much. I I think we're on our new or fourth new group now. Good God. Because of the Facebook rules and stuff. Right. So now it's like, I remember the first time that happened. It like changed over like three times or two times in a week, and I was like, like, yeah, I don't got this much time to sit here and jump from one group to another. Because I used to be in the groups a lot, and then life just hit me. Yeah, that's understandable. There was a lot of people I've, I've made friends with, you know, due to the like you, you know, due to the uh, smack talk groups. 
enjoy them. There's a lot of people on there. Like you remember that Justin Pike kid? Yeah, yeah. Who can? Yeah. Like he he was the one. I was like, yeah. If I ever saw this kid in real life, I would probably derail this jaw. You know what? Uh, speak and speaking of like derailing people's jaw, um, I'm sure you remember or know that can. Well, maybe not know personally, but that Kentucky fan. Oh, Wesley Gangs. Oh, Kane, Kentucky. Oh, Jeez, Louise. After last night, I'm so happy he's not in the group. I, I wonder if he voluntarily left or he got booted. I don't know. Uh, I remember he used to constantly do videos and calling everybody sweethearts and shit like that. <laughs> and we beat him one time, and he just had a he just had one excuse after the other. It was, I think, around Dan Mullins last year, and I'm like, bro, you, you got more excuses than wins this year. Like, chill out. And he was, I, I used to be a Marine. I don't make excuses. Like, well, if he was in Vietnam, now I see why we got our ass whooped. He yeah. was he was a character. He, well, he was a hardcore fan, so especially during that time being a Kentucky fan, you got to take your hat to him, I guess. Oh, and I, I'm sure when Kentucky beat Florida down in Gainesville, I'm sure he, uh, he lost his mind. He had to have lost his mind. Yeah, because that first time after 30-some-odd years, yeah, like 31 years, yeah. Yeah, I was sitting there talking to somebody about that. I was like, we was talking about long streaks, and it was actually one of the quietest ones, even though it was one of the longest ones. I was like, it's hard to believe, you know, Kentucky managed to win that long without picking up a win against Florida. Florida has some bad teams, a lot of bad teams in between that time. Yeah, and uh, Kentucky just happened to uh, just happened to catch him at the right time. I, I believe – I believe that it was, was before Banana. First year. Oh, okay. Oh. Dan Mullen's first year at Florida is either his first year or second year. I almost want to say it was his first year that they broke that streak. And I, it was the for me because I wanted Dan Mullen gone for the longest. Because to me, he hit his, you know, he hit the, his, he, he couldn't do no more for us. And right. you could tell he didn't want to be there. The, like the last three years, he was constantly brought up in every job there was. And coming out to find that he was really trying to bid for these jobs, it's just nobody would take it. And I was like, yeah, you know, that's why we're not beating Ole Miss. This is why we're not getting, like, when we lost A.J. Brown out of Starkville, mm-hmm. our own, it's not even our backyard, that's our front yard. And, um, you know, he went to Ole Miss, and his dad came out and said that, you know, Dan Mullen was not recruiting him at all. And I was like, yeah, you don't want to be here. Like, you know, a lot of Mississippi State fans to this day will still fucking die for Dan Mullen. It's like, no, y'all are sitting here happy with six to seven to eight wins and just making it to a bowl game. Like, you're paying this man almost $6 million to choke. So, last week, I I don't know if you listened to uh, my take on what you wanted to talk about. Uh, Let me quickly ask you – do you feel that Dan Mullen was over or underpaid uh, the last, uh, we'll, we'll say the last few years in Mississippi State? I will say he was underpaid all the way up to 2014. Is that the year y'all uh, damn near beat Alabama? Yeah, it, when we went number one, like that team he put together, granted, losing to Alabama, Ole Miss, and Georgia Tech was all on him because he, he choked them games away. Mm-hmm. But that team he built, 
you go look at his products that's in the NFL now from Preston Smith to Dak Prescott, Chris Jones, you know, he's got a long, he, he went out and fought, got players that no one thought about. And, you know, no one looked at Dak Prescott as a quarterback, you know, for college when he was in high school. LSU wanted him as a tight end, I think. Right. And Dan Mullen, that's one thing I gave him mad props about. He would go to these backwoods high schools in Mississippi or Louisiana or Alabama and get these little three stars. And they came out to have great careers at Mississippi State and put up beautiful stats for us. And speaking of Dak Prescott, uh, I know the LSU game was a lot closer than what uh, the the score was a lot closer than what the game was that one year. But he ran all over that Tiger defense, and I believe, well, actually, I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. Was that in Baton Rouge? You did that, or was that in Stark? Yeah, that? that was our first time winning there in like 20 years or something like that. Yeah. Him and uh, Josh Robinson are running back, and that defense, the defense was beautiful, even though they kind of led up in, uh, if I remember correctly, somewhere in like the third third quarter, this was like, yeah, we got this game won, and LSU almost came back and beat us. Yeah, I was, I was like, I was like, oh, don't don't do this, don't do this, y'all are doing so good. I was like, like uh, that one that one uh, quarterback draw that he did, uh, just like stiff armed and ran over defenders. Oh like, yeah. Oh man. I was like, don't please don't lose because that view that run was absolutely beautiful. And if if Mississippi State would beat it, Alabama that year, that would have been his Heisman highlight. That stiff arm for I think it was like a fifty four fifty four or something like that yard uh rush touchdown. Mm-hmm. If, if if Dan Mullen did not choke that game away. Dak Prescott would have had a Heisman. What are you gonna do? That's like you said. That's Dan Mullen. He got y'all to the top, or as far as he could go that year. And the rest of the year, he like you said, he was on autopilot, just putting himself out there for new jobs until Florida went out and actually hired him. Yeah, because uh, when Hughes, the first uh, two years, uh, Hughes Freeze dog walked him and recruiting on the field. I was like, yeah, you know, he, he he's done. He's don't wash his hands. He's done with us. He's he wants something new. Which in a way, I don't blame him. I'm talking about. If I was at a job for ten years, and then I got offered more money, and I took it. You know, that's just part of the game. Oh yeah. But but at the same time, don't hurt the team that's sitting here worshiping you like a god. You know, because we lost to Northwestern. I think his third year or fourth year in the Gator uh, Gator Bowl in Jacksonville. And he came out flat in that one. It was almost like a game he expected to win just just because. I don't know why, because you watch that game, we was trash from start to finish. And um, I remember I told my dad, I was like, yeah, he ain't going to be here long. And my dad, my dad loved him. My uncles, all my Mississippi State family loved him. I was like, he ain't going to be here long. And then it was just like key games in between there where he was not winning, I was like, the dude can't beat a ranked team to save his life. Because he went like, I want to say like 0 for 15 or something like that against ranked teams. And I was like, we couldn't beat Arkansas until Arkansas, you know, had their little problem with their uh, Bill Clinton head coach. Right. And then um, 2014, you know, had a lot of Mississippi State fans come at me and I was like, yeah, we're having a good year, but we're beating a lot of overrated teams. 
because you go back and look at it, LSU, Texas A&M, Auburn, they all – I'm pretty sure they finished the year unranked. Yeah, I'd have to go back and double-check, but I think you're right. I live downtown Chattanooga, so even though it's a good neighborhood, you never know what's going to happen. Right. But, no, I'm I'm actually – I'm jealous. Georgia went out and got a coach. Uh, Tennessee went out and got a coach that – People said it wasn't going to do nothing, and the dude's just producing every step of the way. I'm happy for you guys. I'm actually wasn't too sure of Ohio, to be honest with you. I just, I mean, I knew he had like played quarterback at Oklahoma way back when. I'm like, man, what's it? What's obviously, I didn't pay attention what he has done since then. But uh, man, as long as that offense can score, because that our defense, I know I've posted, I know I trolled some people in those groups saying. Oh, Alabama's defense is trash. They were that night, but Tennessee's defense ranked 104th. Tennessee's defense is definitely trash. Uh, y'all look uh, to me. Y'all played one good offense after the other because y'all started the year out against Pitt. Yep. And Pitt, I don't know. Pitt's kind of like they're not as good as they was last year because they had a high turnover rate, but they're still a good team. So. I don't really think Tennessee's had much of a break so far other, you know, than what cupcake games y'all have because right now outside of Vanderbilt, the East is loaded with good offense. Now Florida, Florida's kind of shocking on how I thought they were going to be a lot better this year than what they are doing, but they're still okay. Yeah, it's still okay. Um, I, I, did, I, didn't, I didn't expect them to lose to LSU in the swamp, though. That was kind of surprising for me. Yeah, LSU, even though I, I, uh, that game against Mississippi State still kills me, LSU is hitting that on and off switch. I, I just uh, I couldn't imagine being an LSU fan because, you know, being a Mississippi State fan, we're used to this. Right. You know, the hurt's almost a numb for me at this point. Because when I was a little kid, I was a Notre Dame fan, and there's been a lot of years I sit back and just after the game, I'm doing the Cobra salute with both hands on top of my head, asking myself, why did I stop being a Notre Dame fan? Right. Just to be sitting here staring at my TV with my heart broken. My uh, ex, my uh, kid's mother, she asked me one day, she's like, if I hurt you as bad as you, your team's hurt you because I'm also a Saints fan. And she's like, would you still be with me? I was like, no, nah, I'd probably OJ Simpson your ass. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow. That's okay, then. Fair enough, then, Derek. She looked at me, she's like, what's the difference? It's like, I can't go to a college and pick out a whole football team. No. I mean, you could, but that would be ill-advised on your behalf. Yeah, but you know, Tennessee though. My uh, my son, born and raised in Chattanooga, he's uh, somewhat slowly turning into a Tennessee fan, which I don't have nothing against. It. Maybe y'all can give him a better life than what Mississippi State gave me on the fan side. But you know, he was uh, he was pumped about basketball last year. He was pumped about baseball, and he's pumped about football also. He's, he's getting spoiled by you guys, so. Well, I mean, you can if, if you don't if you don't necessarily want him to be a Tennessee fan. I I know the mocks, the Chattanooga mocks. They're uh, I mean, I don't know how good they are, but you can kind of steer them towards. Well, no, if you're moving to Raleigh, maybe you don't steer them towards the hometown team. But 
I just, I've never bought so much orange before in my life. <laughs> and he was, he asked me one day, he's like, what is a volunteer? And I, I just looked at him because I really don't know much about y'all's, you know, I know some, but I don't know the full detail on y'all's mascot. I was like, that was first to volunteer. And he's like, for what? And I was like, the war, which war? I was like, I, the Alamo, maybe? I don't know. I, th- I think that's right. I think that's right. Now, now, how we got Smokey the Blue Tick Hound as a mascot? Uh, that I don't, I do not know. Yeah, he he also wanted a dog like that. And I was like, no, them dogs are way too loud. Yeah, 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 they are. Well, sort of those daggone small dogs, like the Chihuahuas. I I will never have a small dog ever. That's like my fiance. Now she's she wanted to get an English bulldog, and I was like, yeah, they don't live too long. Plus, they oh, snore, fart, and all that. I was like. Uh, just for not to have a dog at all, but um, who y'all got? Who's Tennessee got next? We got uh, UT Martin. Well, hopefully, y'all don't come out on that game hungover. Good gosh, I hope not. I mean, I hope they don't just sleepwalk through it because that would, that would not be good on our behalf. Now, when do y'all play Georgia? I'd actually have to look at the schedule. I want to say it's probably after UT Martin, but I am not a hundred percent sure to be honest with you. That game, no matter if it's in Tennessee or in Georgia, that game's going to be rocking. Oh, it's going to be in Athens. I've 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 realized if we play Tennessee or if we play Florida at home, we're playing Georgia on the road, and by it flops flip flops every year. Well, oh god, I can just imagine the ticket prices on that. It's gonna it's gonna be outrageous. I'm sure. All right, Derek, I know we you got stuff to do. I got stuff to do. Is there anything you'd like to say to the listeners or, or well, potential listeners uh, in closing? No, no, I just got a question for Tennessee fans like you. Uh, okay. After getting over that big hill, beating Alabama, how do you see your uh, season wrapping uh, up? Well, uh, do you expect to be in a college playoff or? As a Tennessee fan, I'm going to say no. I don't think we're quite there yet. Uh, I do see that we will probably lose to Georgia. That's probably going to earn some uh, hatred from some uh, Tennessee fans. But um, Georgia, I, I think, is going to be a loss because it's going to be in Athens. And I hope we don't slip up against South Carolina, Missouri, or Vanderbilt. One of those could be a trap games. Um, okay, the same question for you, Derek. How do you see Mississippi State's uh, season ending? At best, I'm going to say maybe seven wins, depending on if we don't choke against Auburn because we got one more cupcake game left. I, I forgot who that was against. What I would hope is a win out, which I doubt that. You know, we got Alabama, Georgia, Auburn, and Ole Miss. So, I would – after last night, I would be happy with seven wins. I could see that. And I, I, I think Auburn's not quite there yet. I, I, I don't foresee y'all having a problem with Auburn. But I don't want to, you know, get anybody's hopes so, up. Yeah, I also didn't see us having a problem with LSU or North Kentucky. But oh, man, I'm, yeah. so, I'm so glad I'm out of my trash-talking phase so I don't have to go around and have to get, you know, answering replies or uh, – messages on eating crow from certain types of fans that expect you to do that 
Yeah, if, if I do say anything, yeah, like you said, if I do say anything about my team, I'm going to be like, I think we'll win, but I don't know that we'll win. So that way I don't have to go ghost like so many people do in those groups. Yeah, that's like I ain't really been on any social media here all day today. Well, mostly just due to kids, but it's like I just don't want to hear see other fans happy right now. I'm too I'm too depressed with my team. Man, I I I think you I think you'll get it together though, Derek. I think I well I'll hope Mississippi State can get to seven wins as well and get a you know a halfway decent bowl game that y'all can you know dominate. Yeah, probably the Liberty Bowl. We're coming in. Great customs today. Crap hole of the city. Nothing against Tennessee, but I hate Memphis with a passion. Uh, fair enough. I've only driven. Well, I can't say I've driven through it. I've I've been through it when my dad has driven through it. So, uh, yeah, I, I go as far east as Nashville. That's where my like my mom and dad's side of the family is, and that's where I stopped. Yeah, I just hate Memphis with a passion. Sports, city, people. Uh, I don't have nothing to do with it. Tennessee is a state of love. I just don't like Memphis. Uh, y'all should like, you know, auction that off to Arkansas or Mississippi and be done with it. That's part of it. <laughs> I lived in Chicago and uh, by far the worst city I've ever been in. Oh, gosh. Well, I mean, if if Arkansas has West Memphis, I mean, with that proposal, I think that would, you know, I think that would go like hand in hand if I'm not mistaken. Or, well, yeah. Yeah, West Memphis. Oh my God, I went through that. I've been through that town plenty of times, and that's a whole nother world. Oh, even from Memphis? Wow, I didn't know that. Was I had to go there after after I got out of welding school? Was set up there, and the people there. It was nothing against Arkansas because Arkansas is a beautiful state, and every you know everybody has that one town they're not proud of. And I'm praying to God that West Memphis is that town that Arkansas is not proud of because oh my god them people out there it was almost deliverance <laughs> I don't I, I haven't been back since and I don't plan on going back fair enough when the wife and I go to go to her home uh, Michigan uh driving through Virginia West Virginia even though the West Virginia has got those turnpikes and the tolls it's still better than driving through Ohio I nothing against Ohio I just it that that's like the longest part of the trip and it takes forever it seems yeah golly from, i know how you feel because from chattanooga to birmingham is absolutely nothing in between it's the worst boringest drive i've ever had in my life at night driving that route i pray to god my car doesn't break down because you're literally out in the middle of nowhere and it's like hills has eyes oh geez. yeah it, there was a gas station I pulled in, pulled into to jump out to smoke a cigarette, and it was closed down, pitch black. And I, I heard something get knocked over, and I just my last name being Myers, I was like, "Yeah, my luck. I got an uncle named Michael out there trying to kill me." So you know, flip the cigarette, <laughs> jump back in the car, and I hauled ass back to Chattanooga. Did you even finish your cigarette? No, I took two drags, and that was enough for me. Okay. <laughs> uh, I didn't want to hear banjos and someone tell me I got a pretty mouth or something when taking their overalls off. <laughs> uh, well, at least he didn't turn out like the gimp in uh, Pulp Fiction. Oh, God, yeah. That's that's a big fear of mine. That's why I stay home now. <laughs> uh, I, I didn't I didn't mean for the I didn't mean for it to go that direction, Derek. 
Hey, we're Camille and Kennerly, the Harp Twins. You might know us from our viral electric harp covers of bands like Metallica, Iron Maiden, Billy Idol, and more. We also compose and perform our own original Nordic Celtic inspired songs and albums. You can find our music, streaming links, and tour dates on harptwins.com. We are the Harp Twins, and you are listening to Polly Pickham's The Podcast. All right, everyone, thank you for sticking around for the NFL portion of the show. Uh, so I called out a my fellow co-worker, no punt intended in the Fantasy League, also known as Andrew Bridges. Um, I kind of got under my skin last week when he said, well, a few weeks ago, but I mentioned it on the podcast last week that, hey, how you doing, Mr. Owen Ford? I didn't take too kindly to that. I thought I was going to have my revenge this week, and, well, no, that was not the case. He beat me by over 50 points in fantasy. So uh, here I am with my tail between my legs, unfortunately. But we'll talk about fantasy after we talk about the NFL. Well, um, like I said, I'm not going to go over all the games like I have in the past. I will say... For the Thursday night football game, there was one individual that got that game correct, and he won the top dog award that Jasmine Montgomery has on Polly's Pickens. He picked Washington. Everyone else picked Chicago. Uh, Washington won that snooze fest on Thursday night. Uh, this week's Thursday night football game should be a better matchup, and I will get to that after I talk about the NFL games and fantasy. Uh, The next game, four people got correct. Glenn, Jennifer, Marcus, and Tyler all chose Atlanta. And Atlanta, surprisingly, at least to me, shocked San Francisco 28-14. Another shocker, like I said, I'm not going to go over every game. The Jets beat down the Green Bay Packers. Riding high from their victory over the Dolphins the previous week, Brad and Charles were the only two that chose the New York Jets. Uh, the other games, um, looks like everybody had, most everyone picked in Indianapolis, Minnesota, and Cincinnati, so we're not going to spend too much time on that. Everyone swung and missed on Baltimore and the Giants and Tampa Bay and Pittsburgh. So I actually did not watch a lot of football this weekend because my son will be born here in a few months. Um, just trying to get his room kind of squared away, get some uh, stuff moved out because I moved in with the wife and she kind of had the uh, what she called the catch-all room. But I'm going to turn that into the nursery here soon. So I wanted to kind of declutter it a little bit and make it easier Um when he gets closer to being born, so we don't have to do so much. So with that being said, um, I did catch the end of the Baltimore and the Giants game. Uh, Lamar Jackson had a costly fumble, which led to Graham Gano kicking the winning field goal. No one chose uh, the Giants. Everyone chose Baltimore. We lost the points. We lost the points with Tampa Bay and Pittsburgh as well. And... uh, 
Buffalo got a win over Kansas City. Uh, quite a few people picked Buffalo, so I'm glad we got those points. And for the oh well, let's talk about the last this past Monday night game. Man, if thank you for thank goodness for Dustin Hopkins, which I have on my fantasy league or my fan, or my roster for fantasy. That man with a sore quad, sore hamstring, whatever it is, kicked four field goals. Then the game-winning field goal in overtime when it seemed like neither offense was really wanting to get a first down or score. I don't, I don't get that. Uh, William Carpenter was the only one that chose Denver, so he uh, is the only one that lost points. And actually, William Carpenter had the lowest score of the week in the NFL. He only had 25 points total. Marcus Cassidy had the highest weekly score with 85 points. Yeah, no one got over 100. Uh, I mean, some games that everyone picked wrong, uh, others picked right, and it, it just happened. Yeah, it just happened that way that the Giants, Ravens, and Buccaneers. Steelers were the only games that everyone picked wrong, so we, you know, couldn't do much about that. Uh, as far as the risk reward goes, um, there were quite a few people that got Burrow. Well, actually, only just three. Let me see who they are. Now, the first one was, well, in no particular order: Tyler D. Hutton, Jennifer Smith Harmon, and the final one is. Was that Jasmine? No, that was Glenn. I believe that, that was Glenn Bray. Yeah, it was Glenn Bray. Sorry, I took a screenshot. So those three got got the risk reward correct and got five extra points. I took Cousins, and Cousins actually had the lowest. It was between who would have the most passing yards between Burrow, Brady, and Cousins. Uh, Burrow had, I believe, three hundred. Yeah, 300 exactly. Brady had 243 and Cousins had 175. So if your name was not what who I called earlier, then you lost five points. Actually, I did not make a pick, so I did not lose five points. I said, you know what? I've lost more risk rewards than I've actually made or won, so I'm not going to pick this week. So I still... I stayed at 70 points, so I think I was the only one that did not make a pick. So good on me, I guess, because I probably would have said Cousins with, uh, you know, Tua being out and Teddy Bridgewater not doing very well either. I, you know, thought it'd be right for the pickings. But i got to realize that they have Dalvin Cook and a decent run game, even though they do have Jordan Jefferson. Uh, because Kirk Cousins did not have a lot of passing yards against the Saints either in the win in London. With all that being said, let's go ahead and get to fantasy and how bad I got my behind whooped by Andrew Bridges. Andrew, uh, he beat me 126. Well, waiting for it to refresh. 128.76, sorry, 276. Oh my goodness. Let's see who Andrew had in the starting lineup that got him the most amount of points. Ah, Jamar Chase. 32.2 points, 7 receptions, 132 yards, and 2 touchdowns. My starting lineup, Kirk Cousins. 
<laughs> he got me the most amount of points. 175 yards and two touchdowns, 16.5. Yeah, I can see why I got my tail whooped. Uh, let's see who who let's see who Andrew had on the bench left him left on the bench got him the most amount of points. Uh, Wondell Robinson of the New York Football Giants got him 12.7 points, three receptions, 37 yards, and a touchdown. And uh, another quarterback, Tom Brady of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 243 yards and a touchdown. So I will say this. It's already been done and happened. Uh, Jacob Moore proposed a trade to me. He said, you know what? I'll trade you Tom Brady for Ramondre Stevenson. And I was like, okay, you know what? That that sounds good. Um, I'm going to get rid of Baker Mayfield. I should have never drafted him. So, you know, I'll... Once the trade goes through, I'll drop Mayfield, put Tom Brady in. You can have Ramondre. He's not, he's doing okay so far. Uh, that was a bad, bad choice for me this past weekend. I don't have Ramondre Stevenson in my league, but in my brother-in-law's league, the cash league I'm in, which I said I wasn't going to talk about, but obviously I am going to talk about. Boy, he went off. And I'm kind of thinking, damn it, I should have never made that trade. But, it, you know, it is what it is. I can't do anything about it now. Um, I guess when I get to the game on ESPN, see if uh, Jacob put him in the starting lineup and see how Jacob did this week. So, oh, the next game is Team Jacob and Atlanta Super Mario Brothers, Glenn Bray. Looks like Team Jacob's going to win 126.1 to 103.88. Huh. He, okay, he left Ramondre Stevenson on the bench. And left 25.1 points on the bench. Well, Jacob probably could have left him in the starting lineup. Let's see how your other running backs did. Uh, yeah, you should have left him in the starting lineup. He had uh, David Montgomery and Devin Singletary. Um, they did not get 25 points. They didn't even combine. They didn't get 25 points. But Jacob won, and that's mainly because of Joe Burrow getting 33.5 points, 300 yards, four total touchdowns in the win versus the New Orleans Saints. And like I said, Ramondre Stevenson got him the most amount of points on the bench. Let's see who Glenn had on the starting lineup got him the most amount of points. That is going to be... Uh, I mean, I don't recognize that name. Robert Tanyan of the Green Bay Packers. The tight end got him 19. No, I, I take that back. Sorry, I can't read. Christian McCaffrey, the Carolina Panther running back. 22.8 points. Only had 69 yards rushing. Okay, cool. Um, Who did Glenn have on the bench? Got him the most amount of points. Matt Ryan. Wow. The Indianapolis quarterback. 389 yards and three touchdowns. Was that a good? No, he uh, he had Kyler Murray on the starting lineup. Um, 222 yards and an interception. So he probably could have beat Jacob if he would have uh, swapped uh, Matt Ryan and Kyler Murray. But you know, it is what it is. That's all. That's all she wrote. Uh, Rome's Renegades. Jerome Winston gets his first win of the season against Alabama's Hutton Heroes. 116.12 to 111.32. Not really a runaway. Jerome won 
behind uh, 16.9 points of Jalen Waddle of the Miami Dolphins in the flex position. Six receptions for 129 yards. And Rome left on the bench. They got him the most amount of points was Darnell Mooney, the Chicago wide receiver. Okay. Uh, not a starting wide receiver, but, you know, not bad. 13.8 points, seven receptions for 68 yards. Let's see who Tyler had on the starting lineup. Got him the most amount of points in a losing effort, unfortunately. But it wasn't a blowout loss like mine was. Patrick Mahomes, 19.62 points, 338 yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions in the loss to Buffalo. So not not horrible. I mean, those two interceptions definitely did not help. And Tyler left on the bench the... Most amount of points with Chase Claypool of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Seven receptions, 96 yards, and one touchdown. Let's see the next game. Ah, tapouts and touchdowns. Ryan Frick, a.k.a. Bully Rye. Actually, he just lost by one of the slimmest margins this season. So, Ryan, I don't know if he's going to mention this in his, in his podcast, but he suffered his first defeat of the season. 129.6 to 129.24 against Georgia Dean, Chris Dean, which who is going to be this week's co-host, guest of Polly Spickham's The Podcast. Well, at least I hope so. I'm going to have to reach out to him and see what's going on. Let's see who Ryan had in the starting lineup that had the most amount of points in a losing effort. Deion Jackson of the Indianapolis Colts got him 28 Point one points in the flex position, 42 yards and a touchdown in a win over the Jacksonville Jaguars. And Ryan left uh, the most amount of points on the bench with Kyle Pitts of the Atlanta Falcons. If you listen to his podcast, he's kind of sold on Kyle Pitts or said Kyle Pitts was going to be a bust. So, but he, you know, he still has. He still has him on his roster. He still believes in Kyle Pitts, especially when old Brad Betts uh, dropped him. You know, Ryan just went there and snatched him up. Georgia Dean in a winning effort. Let's see who he had on the starting lineup. Ah, Stephon Diggs of the Buffalo Bills. Ten receptions, 148 yards, and a touchdown. 30.8 points. Yeah, that'll do it, especially, you know, Allen <laughs> gives those at least 10 targets. Uh, let's see who Georgia Dean left on the bench. Got him the most amount of points. Um, Kenny Pickett of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I'm not joking when I say that. 8.28 was the most amount of points he had on the bench. So it was all or nothing for his starters. Uh, Kenny Pickett looks like it shows here. 67 yards and a touchdown. And also on, uh, well, I will talk about it later, maybe. Well, no, no, I'll go ahead and mention it now real quick. Uh, Kenny Pickett, I had him in Pauly's Probables, and I said he was not going to meet his projected point total, and he did not. Basically, I went 2-4 and four this week. Uh, I said no for Kenny Pickett, and yes for Seattle's defense, that they were going to have at least 3.4 points, and they did. They had 17. Everyone else I missed on. 
Actually, let's go ahead and go to that screenshot real quick so I can get back to fantasy. Yeah, Kenny Pickett and Seattle, yes. I said David Montgomery, Amari Cooper, Ian Thomas, and Justin Tucker. Uh, I did say Amari Cooper was not going to meet his projected point total, but he did. I said David Montgomery, Ian Thomas, and Justin Tucker were going to meet their projected point totals, and they didn't. Ian Thomas missed his by .1 points, 4.2 of a projected 4.3, the Carolina Panthers tight end. That kind of hurt. So yeah, so 2-4 and four this week, like I said. Um, I didn't, get, didn't go 0-6. I've gone less than 500 for the first time this year in a weekly pick. Got to get, gotta get that ship right somehow. All right, the next week. Sorry, the next game. Sorry. Uh, the Tennessee golf balls, Brad Betts, beat Alabama Gumps, my sister and brother-in-law, Ariane Montel Graves and Emily Graves, 135.78 to 124. I do want to say something real quick. Brad, I know you're probably listening to the podcast, and I know that you do uh, college fantasy football. Buddy, I got to tell you, if you had Jalen Hyatt, the Tennessee wide receiver, on your fantasy team, man, what, six catches, five touchdowns, over 200 yards. Yeah, he had a monster day. And forgive me for saying this, if he had girls around him that night, the panties were dropping. I'm telling you, it, that had to have been the case. So, Emily Montel, sorry, <laughs> let's go ahead and talk about Emily Montel's uh, highest point getter on the starting lineup. That was Mark Andrews, the Baltimore tight end, got them 23.6 points. And who they left on the bench had the most amount of points for them, that was... I don't recognize that name. Cade York of the Cleveland Browns, the kicker. Wow, 12 points. Very busy, very busy day in a loss to the New England Patriots. Let's see who Brad left in the starting lineup. Got him the most amount of points. Michael Pittman Jr. of the Indianapolis Colts, 13 receptions for 134 yards, averaging 10 yards a catch, not too shabby. Let's see who Brad had on the bench. Got him the most amount of points. Brandon Ayuk of the San Francisco 49ers, 28.3 points, 8 receptions, 83 yards, and 2 touchdowns. Where was Brandon Ayuk last year when I needed him? I mean, my goodness. I know the first few games, Debo Samuel was, you know, targeted like crazy. The few weeks I had Brandon Ayuk, he didn't break double digits at all. And now he's 28 points. Brad, good for you for having him. And finally, the last game for the uh, the fantasy is Team Ghost Killer and Team Mooney. My brother-in-law, Anthony Contreras, won 90.44 to Tyler's 85.62. Anthony had George Kittle of the San Francisco 49ers. Man, a lot of tight ends uh, leading, leading the way for everyone. 16.3 points and a loss to the Atlanta Falcons, who Anthony left on the bench. Got him the most amount of points. Dawson Knox of the Buffalo Bills, another tight end. Man, three receptions, 37 yards, and a touchdown. This must have been the week. Week six must have been, or was it week seven? 
It's week six. Yeah, week six must have been the week of the tight end for the NFL. At least that's what it seems. And Tyler Mooney, let's see who he left in the starting lineup, got him the most amount of points. That was Saquon Barkley of the New York Football Giants. 83 yards and a touchdown in the win over Baltimore, as mentioned before. 18.5 points, 83 yards and a touchdown. And let's see who he left on the bench. Trevor Lawrence of the Jacksonville Jaguars in a losing effort to the Indianapolis Colts. 165 yards, but three total touchdowns. Let's see who his starting quarterback was. Justin Herbert. Yeah, 238 yards and an interception. If you'd have started Trevor, you probably would have won, Tyler. But then again, you know that. Um, So I do want to say, yeah, that Monday night football game uh, for my brother-in-law's league with Yahoo, I thought I was going to lose this week. But thank goodness I I was behind uh, up, 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 the kicker for the Chargers. He kicked his heart out and propelled me to victory. I thought I was going to lose for sure, but uh, now his uh, it was down to uh, Judy and Mike Williams, or I had uh, Judy. He had Mike Williams. I was like, okay, these two are going to kind of go back and forth. Jerry Judy, you know, he had the advantage, uh, eight points to one point that Mike Williams had. Um, I don't know why Justin Herbert was not really targeting Mike Williams because I really didn't see the game other than, I guess, Denver's defense kind of shut him down. I think he only had one point. But uh, the kicker for the Chargers, yeah, he uh, got me 10 points, and I won 120 to 108. So I'm doing a lot better in that league compared to this league. It's going to be four victories to two losses compared to – 0-6 like it is for the fantasy. Not looking too good. Uh, let's go ahead and mention how the standings look. Uh, so a few short weeks ago, and by a few short weeks ago, I mean like three weeks ago, William Carpenter was leading the NFL picks in Polly's Pickums. Now he is down to almost at the bottom. Uh, he fell five spots this week because uh, he only got three games right and missed the risk re- risk reward for 25 points. So, yeah, in like three short weeks from first all the way to, I believe, 13th place. The biggest mover uh, moving up was Marcus Cassidy. He was in fourth place. In week five, and now in week six, he is right behind David Wells. Right behind him, yeah, from fourth place to second. So, man, uh, William, hopefully you don't lose hope. Hopefully you will continue to play. Don't fall off like people did last year. I'm hoping everyone plays all the way through. Well, I guess other than Mitchell Jones because he has not picked in a while. So I know on the college portion, I really didn't mention either the games for the NFL or college. So I'll go ahead and mention that now for those that have not made picks yet. Maybe you listen to the podcast and then you make your picks. Either way, I'm going to go ahead and give you the picks for college first, and then I will give you week seven of the NFL. So for college, 
For the ACC, I'm picking Boston College at Wake Forest. For the Big Ten, it'll be Purdue at Wisconsin. For the Big 12, I have Kansas State at TCU. For the SEC, it'll be Mississippi State at Alabama. For the Pac-12, it's going to be UCLA at Oregon. For the American Athletic Conference, which I also had the risk-reward because I had uh, the highest score last week, with along with Jennifer, I'm sorry, Jasmine Montgomery. Cincinnati at SMU. And the risk-reward was who is going to win the time of possession battle, Cincinnati or SMU? Well, I guess we'll find out. For the Conference USA, which is a Friday game, it'll be UAB at Western Kentucky. For the Mountain West, it's going to be San Diego State at Nevada. For the MAC, I have Northern Illinois at Ohio. And finally, for the Sun Belt, it'll be Georgia Southern at Old Dominion. So if you have not got your picks in yet, go ahead and get them before the Friday night football game. Otherwise, you're forfeiting 10 points. Excuse me. Okay, for week seven of the NFL. Like I said, the Thursday night football game should be better. It's between the New Orleans Saints at the Arizona Cardinals. The Cleveland Browns are at the Baltimore Ravens. It'll be Tampa Bay at Carolina, followed by Atlanta at Cincinnati. The Lions are at the Cowboys. The New York football Giants are at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Indianapolis at Tennessee. Green Bay at the Washington Commanders. New York Jets are at the Denver Broncos. Houston at Las Vegas. Seattle at the Los Angeles Chargers. Kansas City at San Francisco for the last of the early games. The Sunday night football game features the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Miami Dolphins. And finally, the Monday night football game. The Chicago Bears are at the New England Patriots. The teams on by this week are the Buffalo Bills, the Los Angeles Rams, the Philadelphia Eagles, and the Minnesota Vikings. So everyone, go ahead and get your picks in if you have not done so already. Love y'all. Love doing the podcast for you, and I will talk with you soon.